if an NBA game happens in an empty arena with a fight between the star player and the mascot, and no one's there to watch it, did it actually happen? Well, I'll also add, if the Bally Sports app is broken and no one's able to watch the game, did it really happen? I think the answer is yes. I think the Suns will take it. 99.95 will break the whole thing down coming up right now on Locked on Suns. Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean. Covering the Suns the past five seasons as a credentialed media member, a contributor at suns.com and Dime Magazine. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single day. Thanks for finding us on YouTube, where we are now up over 700. Well, we're already blowing past 750. We're on our way to 800 already, and we are continuing a giveaway for this We Are the Valley Suns playoff towel. So make sure that you are commenting below, that you are DMing me or replying on Twitter, that you can email me if you want, whatever it might be to help grow the show, but also get rewarded. I'm going to do a giveaway randomly select a subscriber who is one of the ones who responds and I will give this towel straight to you. I'll pay for shipping. I will get it to you clean and undamaged and pristine for you to hang or throw around during a playoff game this upcoming season, whatever you like. And a big shout out to our listeners as well on all of the podcast platforms that exist. We are everywhere. I'm sure I have at least one of you on each and every one of them. So let's uh, let's get into it. I feel like I had gotten used to not watching uh, any more empty stadium, empty arena sports. Maybe that's uh, the perk of being in this particular country where that stuff continued to happen. But we had gotten a little bit spoiled. And as I predicted in yesterday's show, when I predicted the road trip headlines that the Suns were going to face, People could not stop talking about this empty arena, Toronto not allowing fans right now for a little while here and not allowing unvaccinated players across the border. Very, very strict. And the Suns did not have to deal with that second part, but they did have to deal with the first part. And Monty said not only was it eerie and sort of weird to get back used to, but it was also very cold in there without the body heat, which is not something that I really considered. And they probably had gotten uh, unfamiliar with it despite having played a lot of those games. So a lot to talk about and looking forward to a usual recap show again. I feel like it's been a while just uh, between the late night games that make me very tired and some of the weekend games and everything else. It's nice to just break down a basketball game for the first time in a while. Today's show, guys, when we are doing that breakdown is brought to you by PrizePix. Check out prizepicks.com, use the promo code NBA, or go to your app store and download the PrizePix app. PrizePix, daily fantasy made easy. We'll hear more about them later in the show. But again, 99 to 95, the Suns win the game in Toronto, despite all of those bizarre circumstances. Again, Devin Booker fighting the, not literally going to blows, but actually uh, sort of bickering and, and going back and forth with the Raptor, the literal mascot of the team and yet the Suns close it out anyway and uh, all in good fun every starter gets the double digit mark in scoring but a very strange game 
and so what I what I think everybody was sort of coming away from this one thinking is the Suns really struggled to score, and this game got very ugly, which is again part of why I wonder did it actually happen? Was this all a fever dream? This this sort of throwback like '90s brawl between the Raptors and the Suns in Toronto with no fans. It was just all of it made for a very bizarre experience. You had the Raptors out rebounding the Suns by eight. The Raptors overall getting 22 offensive rebounds, which is insane, frankly. Um, You had quiet night from Devin Booker, 4 of 13 from the field. You had Fred Van Vliet going off in the second half. You had Pascal Siakam nearing a triple-double. Both teams sort of did what I think we expect them to do. Toronto made the game ugly. They used their size and versatility to their advantage. And then, you know, late in the game, the Suns were able to close it out as they've done all year. But that ugliness was really the trademark of the game. And it was what I think Suns fans that I saw, at least, were were really talking about most. And I get it. I obviously get it. I mean, the Suns' offensive rating tonight was 109.2. That is not very good at all. The pace of this game was fewer than 91 possessions. Um, just, I mean, nothing to get excited about necessarily outside of getting the win, but I think you have to realize the Raptors are a really unique matchup. And I honestly, it's a little funny to be making this comparison, I guess, but it, I feel like the same sort of thing happened with the Cardinal Seahawks game this weekend. And that's on my brain as well. Maybe all of you are not Cardinals fans, so I won't dive down that rabbit hole too much, but it's like, it's fine to admit that the opponent was just good and executed their game plan and made things difficult for you. And if you still are competitive in that game and in the Suns case, win it, then I don't really think that there's necessarily much to panic about. We know that teams that are versatile and have positional size and can switch and can muck things up. That is a team that type of team that's going to give the Suns problems. They did it for six games In the Western Conference Finals last year, it was called the Clippers, and they made it very difficult on the Suns just to score in the half court, to work their usual offense. It was was tough then, and it was tough in Toronto tonight. So in that way, I don't think that it was a surprise, nor is it something that I think you should panic about because the types of teams that can actually pull that off it might just truly be the Clippers and the Raptors, like straight up, though those two teams might be the only ones. Like the Warriors aren't quite the same. They have some some holes, I think, that you can pick at on defense. We've already seen the Suns be pretty competitive with them. And I'm not too I don't buy into the idea that that's quite the same type of matchup. So it's unique, and they just happen to run into one of them in Toronto tonight. I do, however, feel like you have to give it up to Toronto, but at the same time, you you can also ask for more from the Suns. You can also be realistic that the Suns, the things that the Suns need to do in those types of situations, uh, they just did not do tonight. So rebounding, I already mentioned, they also have to, have to play offense with a purpose. And... What I mean by that is go straight to the advantages when they are there. Um, And I think you could even say this on 
both ends to an extent, you know, not allowing yourself to get into bad situations on defense by giving into that switching stuff all around. Sorry, there is a fly. Um, you don't want to be in a mismatch on defense, but I think as in, in, most importantly on offense, there are moments where can you attack Fred Van Vliet in the post? Can you get the ball to DeAndre Ayton considering that Toronto really doesn't have a lot of true big physical big men. They have Boucher, who is like seven feet tall, but he is rail thin. Then they have Achua and Ken Birch, who are both undersized for the center spot compared to DeAndre Ayton. So getting the ball to him early in the clock and allowing him to take advantage and, and get a quick shot off and, and take the defense off guard. Can you run sets where you're forcing Toronto out of its comfort zone in terms of switching everything and having it work by having a pick and roll where somebody slips the screen and you're able to get DeAndre in the ball on the short roll? Can you get easy transition buckets? Can you set those high, you know, near half court screens to get the defense uncomfortable and in rotation a little bit sooner? Um, and can you beat a zone with the types of, of things that obviously beat a zone, which is drive and kick, which is ball movement, which is, you know, elbow playmaking. Those are all things we know the Suns can do. And we know those are things that can work against this type of defense. And it, they didn't go to it often enough until late in the game when, yeah, basically Devin Booker and Chris Paul just made some shots and it was enough to get the job done. The, the last part too, when you're facing a team like this, even if I am not going to overreact to this type of a matchup considering it's few and far between is you have to get more out of DeAndre Ayton and this is something Monty Williams shouted out in his post-game press conference that Ayton did respond in the second half but one rebound in that first half really just a complete no-show from him and that can't happen it can't happen any game when you're the you know third fourth best player on a championship team it definitely cannot happen in a matchup like this, and he should have been ready. He should have known that that was the type of matchup where he was going to need to be aggressive on offense and need to be exerting his size uh, advantage. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe COVID is still impacting him, but I was expecting more. And and he did answer in that second half. But you know, if he if he brings it for the full thirty minutes that he's in the game tonight, I think they could have put Toronto away probably a little bit more easily. Maybe this one doesn't get so out of hand. However, they did win the game. So let's get to more positives. Let's get to Jalen Smith playing the four, and that looked pretty good. Let's get to Jay Crowder and his recuperative, restorative night and all of the other celebratory moments from the game. First, though, let's... Well, look, you might be celebrating a win. You also might be celebrating some big wins because if you've been taking advantage of prize picks like we've been telling you to, you have been cashing in. I'm almost sure because Daily Fantasy, uh, prize picks is Daily Fantasy made easy. It's Daily Fantasy also uh, made fun. And if you're not winning, if you're not finding a way to take advantage of your sports knowledge and your sports expertise here, then you're doing something wrong because they simplify the whole thing. They let you not only take advantage for NBA lovers, but for mixed spot pickums, you have simple rules here. Pick players, pick the over or the under against the spread for a specific statistic, set your lineup, and compete against yourself. There's no pools, there's no head-to-head. It is simply you versus the props. You versus the over-under projections, and that's it. You pick two to five players across all sports, 
and you can win up to 10 times on any entry if you beat those projections. All of our Locked On listeners who make a deposit can use the promo code NBA to receive a 100% instant match on a deposit up to $100. Again, promo code NBA to double your deposit up to $100. Prize picks allows those mixed sport entries. They allow NBA lovers and sports lovers overall to have a blast and take advantage of that daily fantasy made easy on their award-winning app or website. Go to pricepicks.com today. Use the promo code NBA to get that doubled deposit up to $100. Pricepicks daily fantasy made easy. Coming back here, more positives to get to as we recap this one uh, 99 to 95 win. See, I'm already uh, forgetting just how low scoring this game was. Win by the Phoenix Suns in Toronto. First of all, um, not to you know go to the fraternizing with the enemy portion of the show, but holy crap, does this Toronto team just churn out role players, if not better, like role players with upside. Um, you already obviously have. Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi and Fred Van Vliet, who are late first round or in Van Vliet's case, undrafted players who they've turned into all-star caliber guys. You have G-leaguers like Chris Boucher and Svi Mikhailuk who are playing legitimate minutes. You, They're so deep and so good that the Raptors have Malachi Flynn, who is also a first round pick, and Delano Banton, who was a fringe sort of role player type who was every Raptors fan's sweetheart earlier in this season who they're getting DNPs because they don't even need them right now and then you turn on a game like this and suddenly Precious Achua who you probably forgot was even there now he's obviously a lottery pick he doesn't count in terms of the you know scrap heap types but he is making a really really big impact after coming over in the Kyle Lowry trade and then Justin Champagny, I don't, I already forgot how to say his name and it's not disrespectful. I'm not trying to intentionally butcher it. I truly forgot. I didn't even know who this guy was. And all of a sudden he is out here with five offensive rebounds. He's bouncy. I feel like I saw Raptors fans talking about his shooting. He didn't even make an impact in that way. He just made an impact with his energy and his defense and uh, just crazy, crazy impressive stuff from their coaching staff and their their organization in general, but the Suns did best them in spite of all of that. Just the more talented team, frankly. And I think the Suns deserve some credit for just getting the job done, making it work tonight because uh, no Cameron Johnson with his ankle sprain. It doesn't sound like he'll be out too, too long. Monty did express some frustration with himself for keeping Cam in late in that blowout loss to the Heat and jeopardizing health like that. But Still doesn't sound like it'll be anything too extreme, but he was out and obviously Abdul Nader remains out in addition to Frank Kaminsky. So the Suns really did not have that forward or wing depth tonight. And so they had to go super big. We saw Bismack Biombo get some minutes at the four. Uh, Jay Crowder, who typically does not play more than 25 to 27 minutes, was all the way up at 35 tonight in his second game back from COVID. And then of course... You had Jalen Smith, who, again, for the second game in a row, played the four primarily, I think only, that he didn't play any other minutes as far as I can remember, and it's tough. It's still a work in progress. I think you have to be realistic there, but I think we can also say tonight was a big step forward from the Saturday night game against Miami, and 
you know, I think there's something to be said for that before we even get into any of the specifics that he, he does seem to learn pretty quickly. Like he seems to absorb lessons and make the most of it. You know, like I think even within summer league, like having so many opportunities to score the ball, I think you saw his decision-making improve there, even if he was still pretty inefficient. And I think the same has been true in this regular season, like the communication, the biting on pump fakes, some of these things where defensively he's still somewhat of a liability, it seems like the mistakes get cleaned up. And so not a surprise, I, I don't think that he was able to improve over Saturday and not look like such a disaster, which is really what it was on Saturday. Um, but also I think this matchup was a little bit more manageable for him. You know, for some players and maybe for some younger players, I don't know if that's always true, but I think it, it was true in this case that the simplifying of the responsibilities of just having to basically stand in front of your guy and guard him can be a little bit easier rather than having to defend, you know, a pick and roll here and then I'm helping back out to a shooter in the corner here and then the ball moves and now I'm switched on to this guy and then, you know, maybe I'm trying to help at the rim or what it that can be difficult. It's why the best offenses tend to involve ball and player movement is because that's the most difficult thing to guard. But for the Raptors who, you know, they're trying to really just muck things up. They're trying to isolate. They're trying to get pull up threes, whatever it might be. They're not necessarily running super complicated offense. They don't always have the talent on the floor to really be too sophisticated and, you know, one step ahead with everything that they're doing. That seemed to benefit Smith. He was able to switch out onto Fred Van Vliet a couple of times and look pretty good. He had a nice block on a ISO at the sort of wing area against OG Ananobi. That ended up in Ananobi fouling in a loose ball situation. Um, after Sort of in frustration, basically, after that block. And you also saw some rebounding. That, that's always going to be there for him. He made one three. I just think overall it was a much better performance from Jalen Smith and hopefully he can adjust and adapt. Monty did say that he has sort of been pretty vocal and honest about the fact that he prefers the center spot right now and that's where he's most comfortable. But, you know, if they can buy 15 or so minutes a night where Smith can just survive on the at the four and, and continue to get better there, I think that would go a long way to feeling better about their depth in the next couple of weeks as we head toward the trade deadline. Last but not least on the positives, I think that the clutch stuff, we hadn't talked about it in a while. I don't really know why. I guess there hadn't been a super close game in a little bit, but Chris Paul and Devin Booker continue to be outstanding in those situations. Despite a, a really ugly game, Chris Paul, like his stat line would not indicate that anything was ugly at all. 15 points, 12 assists, five steals. It's been a while since we had a big steals night like that from him and plus 16 in his 33 minutes going more uh, shooting better than 50% from the field just outstanding and he was the main driver of it when those switches are happening um there is something to be said for you know an aggressive mindset from Chris being one of the biggest ways to overcome it we know that in that clipper series last year his offense was the defining sort of deciding thing about that series i mean 41 points in that game 6 when he is determined to score and is comfortable and confident getting to that mid-range shot in addition to his pull-up three ability and and every so often you know getting to the rim drawing fouls like 
there's nothing anybody can do. He can get that shot up over somebody as long and big as Pascal Siakam. He can get that shot up over a Fred Van Vliet who is a little quicker and faster. Like that doesn't, it doesn't really matter who it is on the other side. So, you know, that's always going to be there. Should it get to that point against a, you know, barely above 500 Raptors team? Maybe in an ideal world, no, but this team had won six straight. They are a bad matchup for the Suns. And so to have that clutch scoring, to have that know-how, to have really that offense that's unguardable late in games is, you know, that's why the Suns are a contender. At the, you know, at the end of the day, they have answers for just about everything. And in this case, Chris Paul and to a lesser extent, Devin Booker were that answer. Let's talk about the bench. Not so much the rotation, but a few observations. Campaign and Landry Shaman, I think, just are disappointing right now. And I, I want to dig into a little bit of why. I have somewhat of a pet theory that's, I think, staring us right in the face, and yet we're uh, we're still sort of confused by it, I think. So uh, we'll get into all of that. One thing that's not confusing anybody is how to improve your New Year's resolution. Because I've been telling you, I've been giving you that cheat code for a couple of weeks already, and it's Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, and it's the Built Bar that, it's the protein bar that helps you keep to your resolution of eating well and getting fit, getting healthier, because you actually want to eat it. That's the difference here. Bet Online, uh, Built Bar is covered in 100% chocolate. It is soft and easy to chew, and it's packed with the good stuff, packed with protein, 15 to 20 grams in every single bar, and light on the bad stuff, 130 or so calories, is really no more than 150 in any single bar, no more than five grams of sugar. You are getting exactly what you need. It's in a delicious package. It's in a delicious flavor. There's something for everybody there, cherry versus double chocolate. You got coconut versus lemon cheesecake. There's something out there for everybody. So what more do you need? This is the cheat code to help you get through the new year, help you stick to the goals that you've set for yourself, and it's not going to be hard. It's going to be enjoyable. So go to Belt.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. Start the new year off right with a delicious pack of Built Bars to help you get where you want to go. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. BetOnline is also there for you in the new year. Wishing you a happy new betting year as we make our way into 2022, the college football national championship game out of the way, the NFL playoffs coming up here, and you know maybe you're into props. Maybe you want to see if poke around, see if there's anything as far as trades in the NBA, as far as draft picks in the NBA. There's always tons of fun stuff. Bet online, your number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in the new year. They also have to celebrate a new updated desktop site and mobile app head there again that's at betonline.ag or the bet online app make an account today and when you do use the promo code locked on when you make your first deposit to get a 50 percent welcome bonus that's promo code locked on when you make your first deposit to get a 50 percent welcome bonus straight to your account from the football playoffs to the basketball regular season even to your favorite vegas casino games bet online has tons of amazing offers available all year long bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports bet online where the game starts closing out the show here don't mean to end on a on a sour note but the bench tonight i talked about jalen smith it just frankly wasn't where you needed to be yes he scored seven points but he's not an offensive engine by any means and 
the rest of the guys had a combined 14 points and that just cannot be what you get and and I get it like look I'm not going to be naive here or ignore the fact the elephant in the room that Cam Johnson did not play I, I obviously get that but especially narrowing in lasering in here on campaign and Landry Shamit, who were a combined three of seven from the field five assists three turnovers just nothing special you know two guys who have a ton of talent who are getting paid a pretty considerable you know a role player plus level of money not that I care what those guys are making but the team clearly has a certain expectation from them because of that or uh, you know as a result of that and they're not getting the job done right now and and pain I think is a little bit polarizing among Suns fans I think when he makes mistakes it can be very glaring and when you know pain with so much of his game pent up in shooting if the shots don't go in or if he just doesn't make an impact as a scorer and as a floor spacer then it can be pretty easy to just stare it down and say hey look this guy's not making an impact and so maybe they don't get quite a fair shake but nevertheless pain is you know he is still he's shooting a ton more than he did last year and he's only making 39 percent of his field goals right now only 32 percent of his threes so clearly a down season and Shamit, just the playmaking and some of the other offensive, the the versatile stuff that I thought we might see from him when I was, you know, the one driving the train, frankly, the driving the bandwagon and comparing him to Seth Curry and, and this and that in the preseason and in the early part of the season. That guy just has not shown up. It's not to say that he can't, but really Shamit's just been a shooter. I mean, that's, that's it. You know, the team defense might have impressed us a bit, but you know, in this game, it's the type of thing where, yes, you can obviously say the the size that Toronto presents is going to be a difficult thing to overcome if you are, you know, a six foot, six one, six two guard in Cameron Payne or, you know, a, a, a slim two guard, six three guy in Shamit. Those are not the types that you're going to see beating, you know, whoever. Pick any of the guys on the Raptors tonight. Those are all difficult physical athletes. However, it's it's part of a larger trend. And so the it was making me, as you can obviously tell, think a lot about those two tonight, watching them fail to make an impact and, and seeing just how the bench didn't really didn't really provide much and how Toronto's bench was able to really win those moments um, in large part. It was making me feel like Again, and it's something Monty has said, so this is not a shocker to anybody who's been paying attention, but the Dario Saric absence right now, and to a lesser degree, the Frank Kaminsky absence, I think they're really making an impact. And I think this is probably more so true of pain in terms of individual production, but sham it to a lesser extent, and I'll get to that. With pain, his chemistry with JaVale McGee is, is pretty solid. I would say that Chris Paul's chemistry with JaVale McGee is better, which is not a surprise. Chris Paul is an incredible pick-and-roll player and a a brilliant passer and a brilliant lob thrower. Payne is not quite that, but they've had some good moments together in terms of energy, especially in transition. But I think when you get to the half court, and again, Monty has been harping on this all year, the chemistry that Payne had with Saric in that second unit last season not only was something that made both of them better, but it's pretty obvious why it worked so well. 
you had Payne, who was able to play that pick and pop game, play that dribble handoff, that elbow, whatever it was, where Sharich could have the ball in his hands a, a good deal and bend the defense that way and space the floor and use his gravity in those ways and give Payne the space to work. Not only to get Payne the ball in motion, you know, off getting downhill off of a dribble handoff or, you know, a, a really solid screen with a bigger body that Sharich has and then, you know, pulling a defender out of the interior and out to the perimeter. Um, that stuff, I think, really, really helped. You saw Payne shoot 52% a career high last season from two-point range. This year, I believe, let me see, it is at 42%, which would be close to a career low. And you're thinking, remember, this is the career low, including all the seasons when everybody labeled him a bust. So this is like dramatically poor, all things considered. Um, you know, even as a player in Chicago and Cleveland back in 2018-19, he was making 51% of his twos. Like, just keep that in mind. So I think that made a really big impact. And then trickling down from that, you obviously have Shamit, who I think is still, you know, failing to make good on the promise that he showed back at um, in college at Wichita State in terms of being a passer and a playmaker. But you could imagine a world where if Payne has that drive and, and kick offense going and there is more of that pick and pop stuff with Sharich and there is space inside that, you know, Payne could get that offense rolling a little better and some of the drive and kick open three or, you know, kick it around the horn and get it to a shooter type of stuff, the simple types of offense that we're used to seeing with the Suns could really be there to a larger degree because Payne just does not have that middle ground game. And pick and roll players have to have that. Steve Nash had that. Obviously, you know, James Harden doesn't really have that. He actually became less of a pick and roll player as time went on. Luka Doncic has that mid-range game. Everybody, every great pick and roll ball handler has that mid-range offense and Payne doesn't have it so ideally he's a pick and pop player so he can just get all the way to the basket driving in in space so while Chris Paul is benefiting from the role man Aiton and McGee Payne not so much I think he needs that pick and pop guy and the rest of the bench offense is struggling as a result so I don't know if there's an easy answer other than time and him continuing to get used to it but that just really stuck out to me in this game. I think he could have been somebody to attack some of those switches if he really was comfortable, and it just didn't seem that he was, and he didn't end up making too big of an impact on the game at all. So there's your bench mob vibe check. Take up a whole segment this time. No other end-of-show fun segments. Apologies to everybody. We'll be back tomorrow, guys, with Damon Allred of Bright Side of the Sun. Haven't had Damon on in a while. We'll catch up on his thoughts on the Suns' streak so far, or the Suns' play so far, Cam Johnson's hot streak, and more. So tune in tomorrow. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single day, and I will talk to you on Thursday.